I'm Manda, and together we're Black Compat. We're a growing community focused on diversity, inclusion, representation, conversation, and fun on Twitch. Wanna be fam? For chill community vibes, Wednesday nights at 7, join BC Row for the Wednesday wind down. Friday nights, join us for Let's Plays where we explore narrative and single player campaign games. Stop by on Fridays at 7. Catch our flagship podcast, The Tribunal, live every other Sunday at 3 p.m., where we talk about issues that are important to us as Black women. Issues like representation, inclusion, diversity, and more within the video games and entertainment industries. Check our channel and social handles to find out when a new tribunal is going to drop. We've got even more content on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter handles, and our website, blackcompat.com. So join in the conversation in whatever way you like at Black and Pat. Remember, always and never or. All times are Eastern. And now, the Boston Bastard Brigade on the street in Wicked Anime and Black Compat proudly present Duckamuck in Japan. Bastards and wenches, welcome to episode 9 of Duck and Muck in Japan. Elves. 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 I am your king baby duck, Evan Borgo, coming to you as always from Ikebukuro, Tokyo, Japan. Joining us as always is our Pokemon master, Elite Four, Derek. Ohio, how's it going? Our Solarian Sun Creator, AFLM. Hello. And our Tetris Master, John Star. I'm playing Tetris. <laughs> I can beat him. Ooh, is that a challenge? I've already issued the challenge, and I'm so waiting to hear. I'm going to leave the state in about 11, or 11 days. Yeah. <laughs> so the challenge is still there. <laughs> I'm not trying to figure out like is there uh, an Xbox Live version of Tetris because then I can play that way. Yeah, Tetris yeah, connected. Uh, yeah, if you do if you get Tetris Effect connected, uh it's cross platform. Hell yeah. Okay. Alright, let's see if we can make that happen. All right, remind mentioned- me of that, we're gonna do that. Alright, you and as you mentioned, Derek, you are moving to Florida. How is that how are you feeling about that move? Um I've lived in North Shore of Boston for my whole life. Uh, you know, I'm going to be going down to uh, where I'm, where my mother lives, so that's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but, god damn, it's going to be weird. But after all this ice we've had up here right now, <laughs> I am friggin' ready. <laughs> well, you'll... You'll like it because uh, I mean Jonathan and I lived in Florida for five years of our lives and it was it was great. I mean it was, yeah, we would have stuck fine. around if we could have. Yeah, I'll be near uh, I'll be near Orlando, and Kinda. the main thing I've heard is Universal Studios is better than Disney. So <laughs> I'm gonna trust what I've heard, and yeah. But then maybe I'll I, still visit Disney for the first time in my life. <laughs> I personally, I personally like Universal better than Disney. Yeah. 
And not to mention, there's quite a few members of the former Wicked Anime crew that still live down in Florida. Not to mention Nerdy Show and Omniverse. So maybe we could probably help with hooking you up with those peeps. Ah. Yes. So oh, that'd be great. Kind of like a new and old mashup. <laughs> yeah, with much. uh featured guests coming on and be like, oh, and it's Lee for Derek and uh, you, you sent me her name. I'm sorry. Cat. <laughs> yep. Cat. Yes. yes. Oh, how could I forget? Name one of my exes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So best of luck on the move. I, I know it's I know it's been a little bit rough, but. I think you you'll find Florida to be pretty nice. We make jokes about Florida, but we do like Florida. I can't wait to see Florida man. <laughs> I've yeah. heard so many rumors about Florida yeah. man. I've heard so much about him. <laughs> Spoilers: Derek was Florida man hey, all along. You, Derek, you are the Florida man. Oh, I was just you know born in the wrong body. <laughs> I identify as Florida man. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a bite of it out of his alligator. <laughs> oh, runs oh my into God, a that, that image is and... now stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, episode nine today, elves, elves, elves. Why are we calling this title? Well, it is the winter 2024 anime first impressions, and there are quite a lot of shows with the elves coming up, or rather, you know, airing right now. This um, this is so back to formula for classic Wicked anime that any old listeners will be like, "Oh, this feels familiar." Yeah, I, I feel like that. That's what I'm kind of going for. Like winter, spring, summer, fall. We'll talk about this sort of stuff because you know, um. Yeah, I miss that kind of format with Wicked Anime. And if we could bring that into here, I think our listeners would appreciate that. I think but so. are there horse elves? <laughs> Not yet. Not <laughs> there oh my god, there will there there will be like some sort of look, they just did it with Love Live Sunshine when they when they made like a fantasy anime or surrounding those characters. There has gotta be like a horse girl isekai, like idea running but through side games. Get so long you'd think they're rabbits. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. Their ears would get so long you'd think they're rabbits. Because uh, horse ears, elf ears. <laughs> you just add those together and just magnify the ears. Mm. You get Bucks Bunny. <laughs> right. But we've got also other things to talk about on this week's episode. And I do want to start out by giving a little bit of a shout out. And it's a somber kind of a shout out. And that is to the band Chai. And Chai is a band that I've talked about on this show, Dakamaka Japan, when I saw them play at Tara Records in Shibuya. Got to chat with them, got to tell them how much their music means to me. And I have talked about them on No Borders, No Race. And I have showcased their albums on my annual top albums list. Well, a couple of days ago, it was announced that Chai will be breaking up at the end of their upcoming Japan tour. Sad. It is sad. Bummer. It is sad. Oh. And they're a great group. I'm sad to see that they're breaking up. 
it looks like that they're gonna be doing their own sort of music, like splitting up, doing sort of, well, not side projects, but their own projects. And their tour went on sale this morning and I actually managed to get myself a ticket to their March 12th concert, which will be their final concert. Wow. Get to pick your uh, seat, or is it just like random seating? Um, standing room. Nice. Oh, yeah, room. hell yeah! But um, it's weird. It's like this is the first time I'm going to a show, knowing full well that this is going to be the last show of like a band I like. Uh, mm. I don't. Uh, I don't know, have any of you guys ever gone to a show, like a concert, knowing that, oh, this may be the last time we may see these guys perform together? No, um, so, a couple of shows I've seen, um, when I went to go see Beck with you, yeah, I had no idea how long his career was going to go, and he's still going, so, you know, kudos to him. But um, also, I saw the Red Hot Chili Peppers in the Stadium Arcadium tour. And that's when they still had um, John Frusciante. And that's his name. I, I thought it was like John Fructose. No, <laughs> Frusciante. <laughs> no, but um, I didn't know it at the time, but he left the band like right after that. And then I thought, like, oh, that's the last time I'm going to see him as part of the Chili Peppers. But he has since rejoined. Right. And... But like, ah, these, I love that. But these are, like, <laughs> bands that, that still went on after they had left. But, like, this is, like, seeing a band that's going to do their last show ever. If and, like, anything, was... I, I wish I was there for the last show for Harvey Danger. Because mm. that does anyone know what Harvey Danger sings? Yeah, it's flagpole center. Yes, and even though they were a one-hit wonder, I literally love the entire album they put out there. I have the album they put out before, the album they put out after. Mm-hmm. I have it all saved, and. Unfortunately, their drummer passed away maybe four or five years ago. Are you the sure? band has broken up. Will never play again. Wait, no, not the drummer. The bassist. Yeah. The bassist passed away. I was going to say, because the drummer is in a new group right now called Sleepy Kitty. Uh, send that to me in a message after this. I would really love to hear that. Yeah, they're pretty good. It's a two-person group, so it's a female vocalist and guitarist and the drummer. They're very yeah. But the singer um, Sean Nelson has pretty much almost disappeared from the public like limelight. Yeah. Almost like the guy from what was it, Neutral Milk Hotel? Like after they broke up, like you never oh, heard from him again. I. That is one of my favorite albums of all time. Oh. I guess it's fine. But <laughs> um, no, so if, personally, I love albums that like every track bleeds onto the next one. 
so there's always like a transition going from song to song and that was a really good one for that you're talking about in the aeroplane of the sea correct yes yes yeah, correct yeah yeah, yeah. A- I- every every track bleeds into the next one mm. Yeah. I think um, I think I think if if I had a close example and Jonathan would probably relate to this as well is uh, seeing a band but not realizing who they were at the time or kind of realizing who they were at the time but not recognizing that it wasn't a permanent thing uh, which was Biebs and her moneymakers which then turned into Biebs which then turned into nothing. Um, yeah. And because uh, because we knew Beebs and her moneymakers through Nerdy Show, and uh, and and that and then we got to meet her, and and that's what we talked about was Nerdy Show stuff because um, uh, what's his name uh, Tony Bandini was the artist for them and for their uh, a couple of their albums for a while, so went to go see them in concert was pretty good, and then nothing really came of it because she decided to change up her her act, and then and then from there kind of. Uh, petered out a little bit and then um yeah. i don't think john do we have any other bands that we that we've seen knowing uh, or, uh that really just kind of disappeared there was like that one that. time in the 90s where we saw this band called oasis and they were on something <laughs> like they oh, were really angry with each other on stage them? no <laughs> no i did no. not see oasis <laughs> um i, I yeah, would have uh, honestly been jealous <laughs> but yeah, yeah, uh, no. Uh, so other than other than that, no, I've never never gone to see a band that uh, I knew it was going to be their last show. Or so this will be a totally unique experience as far as what you're going to go see, Evan. I know, I know. I might cry because like they, they're a great group, and they they to be in the audience for what could be their last show. You know who knows. You know, maybe years down the line, they could come back, reunite for like reunion tour, or something like that. But yeah, in the meantime, know. they're you gonna. Know. They're in the meantime, they're gonna announce some stuff that's basically like, "This is our farewell. We love all of you. I love all of your all of the supporters." And and yeah. even if we don't think it's gonna affect you, it will. Yeah, uh, I mean. I, so like, I mean, I, I'm not equating it, but take it from me. I had my last day at my job today, and so many people came through. Even got a personalized card from a customer who um, <laughs> she always comes in with a little um, uh, King Charles um, dog. Uh, I can't remember the full name of the breed, but. Always in like a little like pouch or pooch, like right in front of her. She carries her with, she carries her with her, and she came in today, gave me a card that literally had a photograph of that dog. Oh my gosh! <laughs> in the card, and I'm like, "Fuck! Is it raining inside? My eyes are getting misty. No." <laughs> Now is it called a King Charles breed, but or did it used to be called a Queen Elizabeth II breed? Uh, King Charles Cavalier Spaniel. I remembered it. Well, yeah, that that's nice that the customer's been doing that for you. And you're actually going to be going out tonight, correct? To have one little celebration. Yep. Yep. I'm still waiting. So here I am. <laughs> All right. Mm. Very nice. 
But yeah, shout out to Chai. Uh, looking forward to seeing their final show. Will be a memorable one. I hope they record it. I, I hope it's like one of those shows where like somewhere down the line I'll release it on Blu-ray or CD or something. Because I bet you it's going to be one that I would love to relive over and over again. Mm-hmm. Mm. Nice. Yes. All right. It's time for rounds of Ask Duck Anything ADA. So one at a time. Andrew, Derek, John Starr. Ask away. Anything new about my life? Just go on ahead. So uh, I was contemplating the amount of time that you've been living in your apartment now. And uh, I know that we talked about it a little bit when you were doing your move-in stuff, but now I kind of want to know if there's been any sort of stories or uh, culture around your neighbors. Here's the thing. The residents here tend to keep to themselves. Like, I could count on one hand how many times I've actually had uh, a conversation with a neighbor. And Mm -hmm. normally that conversation is... Us going onto the elevator, holding the elevator, what floor, click, have a good day, and that's it. Okay, so I am not advocating smoking cigarettes, Mm. but back in Salem State, I met most people through being out there at the smoker's table and just everyone coming out, and that's how I built the social circle. And kind of how I met you, too. <laughs> I mean, you weren't smoking, right. but... I liked hanging out with the smokers. They they were the cool people. Not because they were smoking, but... <laughs> because smoking is cool yeah. like snakes. <laughs> <laughs> smoking is bat. <laughs> so... Um. Yeah, so I was just curious about that. Recently, one of my neighbors, uh, like, I, I don't have much of, you know, uh, interaction with my neighbors either here, but, like, recently one of mine got arrested. Oh. So that was that was a time. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what they got arrested for? I do. I don't know if I can, how much I can get into. I mean, like, I don't, I don't know. I like, I don't care, but I mean, like already posted publicly on like police records online. So <laughs> the, the, uh, people who live there got into a fight and the husband just like gathered up the kids and left and didn't and it was not in contact with the wife for like hours so she put out a missing persons report on that and then when the guy came back she never took the missing persons report away and therefore it was like hours upon hours upon hours and then there became an APB for the guy and so like I came home from a haircut Thank God she made him work too hard, basically. Wait, what? Wait, did they did they take her or him? Him. Oh, man, because if he had the kids and they were safe the whole time, and the mother never reported that they were back and safe, uh, uh, improper use of police force, you know. To be fair, these 
it's a really weird household to begin with. So I wouldn't be surprised if somebody had had a warrant out anyway. Didn't you say yeah. that, Jonathan? Yeah. He was, there was a parole warrant anyway? Yeah. By the he, way, he, I, I would just like, like to say hello to Evan's um, editing trash bin because this is obviously where this is going to end up. <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> the, uh, you say that yeah. confidently. <laughs> The guy had to have priors. The our our apartment complex was trying to think of any way that they could not accept these people in living here, and uh, they're all here. Yep. So, yeah, mm. yeah. It's been nothing but weird since like since they moved in. Like their window is, uh, like facing out towards the um, parking lot, and they put a trash bag over their window so that people couldn't look in but the thing that they did instead was they put a web a live feed webcam on the <laughs> other side of the trash bag so there was always like a surveillance camera just sticking out and in, into the the parking lot oh no it sounds kind of just... methy <laughs> yeah <laughs> the only time I've seen people put trash bags up on their windows if they're like trying to make drugs <laughs> I just I just said it it was probably Mr. Smith from Hey Arnold's yeah, you know the, the neighbor that they never, nobody ever saw or knew who he was. Did they ever reveal him, like, in nah. any of the movies or anything? No, I guess they were supposed to uh, later on down the timeline, but they never got there. So he's Don't just like Wilson from Home Improvement. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you still got the parents from the movie. You know, that's, you know, you got a lot of return from that. somewhat yeah somewhat but regards to the answer no I don't have much interaction with my neighbors I only know the name of one of my neighbors her name is Sakamoto and the only reason why I remember that is because of the cat from Nichijo yeah of course (laughs) but of course duh (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna plead ignorance is that a boy or a girl uh, she's a girl, but the Sakamoto cat's a boy. Yeah, um, it's okay. It, that's okay, one of the so I, I find. was confused for a valid reason. <laughs> well, that's that's one of the things I find really interesting about Japanese culture as well is most names are are um, unisex. Yeah, because they because because names have are more about meaning rather than um, like they uh, yeah names names are about meaning like what the word actually means. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because even like Western languages will do that too, but they'll usually usually change like the end of the word from like an O to an A or an yeah, E there's to a an A or yeah, A is It's like well, the full name of um, Drew Allison Carey, three female names, but he's a guy, comedian, sitcom star and game show host did you just say drew is a female name yeah drew barrymore the, the well yeah yeah i think i think drew barrymore has a has a, ma- a masculine name that's what i think. you think yeah i i would say that um like oh, i'm trying to think of another you know what leslie nielsen what do you think of that name? 
Yeah. I think well, Leslie, well, I mean, because of that, Leslie has become unisex in the same way like Kelly. Kelly is a, is also a unisex name, but it's more uh, more often affiliated with with the feminine. It, it's, only, it's only unisex, though, if you cross borders. Because you're going to find a lot more Leslie's in, like, Ireland mm. than here. That's true. Yeah, it's true. Um, as well as athletes. At my school, there are boys that are named like Megumi and Sakura, and these are names that like like I more hmm. think of as female names than male names. Yeah, yeah. So it is kind of interesting to see that um, occurring with, with within the Japanese culture. You see a lot of boys with with names that you would more see well, with girls also, and in yeah, vice versa. Feminine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Also, um, isn't Sakura based on um, cherry blossoms? Yes. That is what it means. Yeah. Cherry blossom. Yeah, so, I mean, well, also, that's pretty cool that Japan will name masculine boys with the names of flowers. So that's a lot different, too, because, you know, over here, you just have, like, rose. Mm-hmm. And there's no, like, actual masculine name for anything that's a flower. Yeah. Yes. Rose, lily, da- daisy. A- exactly, yes. Yeah. So anyways, I was talking about neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does somebody else have a question? Yeah, yeah. Anybody yeah, else we're talking about flowers. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. My question is about masculine and feminine name types. <laughs> no, that that's where my tangent went off towards. I mean, I suppose that's true. All right. Any other questions? Okay. <laughs> uh, hmm. Well, okay. Now that you've now that you're integrated into the school, uh, one have I and I I'm pretty sure we've asked this question before. But it doesn't hurt to ask it again. Um, do you have any teachers within the school that you find as confidants that, like, you go, you are go-to people for you more so than other teachers? And two, are you far more established within the school system now? Um, yeah, actually, there are quite a few teachers that I go to as like my close confidants. These are teachers that are mostly in, also in the English department. In fact, mm. I've actually have gone and assisted them in a couple of their English classes. Um, instead of just having me do my English classes, I will go to them and act as an assistant. And these are nice. both um, the other like like uh, natural English speakers and the Japanese teachers who have learned English as a second language. You know, That's that fun. actually brings up a, a really good point and a follow-up question to that that I am actually interested in okay. is as an English teacher and a native English speaker do you feel like when you are in your school that you are the expert? No. Huh. no. Um, I am not the expert because the guy who had trained me um, to work at the school teach me how the lessons go and everything he has been at at this school for well over 10 years. So he is absolutely the expert. 
So in that sense, you're referring to teaching, which makes 100% sense to me. But as an English, like a native English speaker. Well, he's you know, also like a native English speaker, too. He's from Canada. Oh, okay. I gotcha. I, I was don't just like, call that English. <laughs> all, all the skill comes from not only knowing both languages, but knowing how to, you know, uh, transcribe both. Yeah, speak gooder. <laughs> speak gooder. Yes. How many? How many can you speak gooder? He can actually teach the classes on his own. Like he doesn't need an assistant to speak Japanese. Like I do. He can actually run the classes, jump between English and Japanese, no problem. Because he's been living in Japan for well over fifteen years. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, it, it, how well can you go back and forth between the two languages and make it like that—that that much natural? Um, you know, f- regarding speaking Japanese, I can have very small conversations. Like, I tend to practice a lot when I go to the Starbucks and I talk to the baristas there. Mm. So, like, I try to make sort of an effort to talk to them. I've Mm -hmm. also been making efforts to talk to people at concerts, at shows, you know, maybe find new friends or maybe someone that, (laughs) maybe a cute girl that I could get her either phone number or her line from or something along those lines. Maybe some new podcast mates. Maybe some new podcast mates, (laughs) probably. (laughs) Some replacements. No, I will Um, never replace you guys. (laughs) Someone who came from Starbucks, um, if you see white chicks come up, all you need to know is strawberry acai, light ice, no berries. <laughs> Anyone listening works for a Starbucks. They would understand that joke, but oh my God, that is the most basic order I've gotten continuously. <laughs> well, they don't even have that at the Japanese Starbucks, so you don't have to worry about that. They've got the good stuff here. None of that <laughs> strawberry Akai stuff. To the point where they yeah. start to walk up, and I instantly pull out the shaker and the strawberry stuff. I'm like, <laughs> let them the make the order. Stuff. I know what these valley girls love. Hashtag frickin' white girls. <laughs> All right, any more questions? Have you found any new challenges going to some of the same stores that you've been to? Some things that you haven't um, expected? Hmm. Okay. Like, if there are multinational stores, like 7-Eleven or something. Yeah. Like, what is the most unexpected thing that you've seen, something that you've also seen in the U.S.? Something that I have seen in the U.S. That, uh, hmm. Uh, actually, I think it was a, a, at one random 7-Eleven, I saw them selling Nestle Crunch Bars. Huh. Shit. Yeah. So I found that to be pretty nice. Actually, no. Oh, oh, actually, I can actually talk about this. So one of the places I love going to is Caldy Coffee. And Caldy Coffee has some great, that's where I buy my coffee brands. And you could also buy like imported goods, imported foods uh, from there. And I always go to the one in Ikibukuro 
because like when you go there, you get a free cup of coffee every time you walk in. They give you like a free sample of their mild quality coffee, which is very, very good. So over winter vacation, I go into the store and this is actually where, while my mom was still visiting, I go into like the sweet section and they were selling marshmallow fluff. Huh. <laughs> oh, like American fluff? A marsh, yeah. The one and only marshmallow fluff. The one made in my hometown of Lynn, Massachusetts. Yes. Also home of Necco Wafers. <laughs> Former home of Necco Wafers. Well, yeah, but hometown. Hometown. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but this is like actual marshmallow fluff. Says right on the package, made in Lynn, Massachusetts. So I bought a couple of jars to hold me over for a little bit. And I kind of wish I bought more because every time I've gone in, they've been out of stock. Oh my gosh. But it's just like, it's a little bit of taste of home. And I thought that You're creating a new trend. The second you buy it, everyone else wants to buy it. And all of a sudden they figure out how amazing it is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah. (laughs) It's really cool that I could buy marshmallow fluff here in Japan, in Tokyo, and I'd make my fluffer and other sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> the official oh sandwich of Massachusetts. Imagine <laughs> I had to, like, request that as a specific thing. Like, um, can you take some, like, marshmallows and just, like, stir it up with, like, I don't know what it is, cream or something? <laughs> I feel like if I Can was to do that, I feel like if I was to ask for a fluffernutter here in Japan, I'd be arrested for sexual harassment. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Your guys' rules are a lot better than ours in that aspect. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But that's no. Nope, it's, <laughs> it's just a, it's just a sandwich experience. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a that's a topic for another episode. <laughs> Coming on October 2nd. <laughs> sandwich experiences. No, no, not 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 about sandwich experiences. The other thing that I joked about. No, yeah, that's still a sandwich experience. There's stuff that's pressed together that, <laughs> yeah, makes sauce. <laughs> <laughs> oh my good point. Oh, good point. I want to talk about something that has happened for AFLM because... Congratulations! Your Kickstarter was a success. Well, so far, so I, I wouldn't. I mean, yes, so far we are quite successful. Uh, though it is not, I wouldn't call it my Kickstarter is a success yet because I, it's not yet over. We still have twenty-two days to go as of this recording. Yeah, but you have met the first point. You have yes, we have. The initial funding has been met, which is which is wonderful. Uh, and actually, as of as of starting this recording, I gained two more backers. Yeah. So, and so yeah. So we're currently at thirty three backers. Uh, and actually, which also means we crossed the we crossed the threshold for the final phase one stretch goal. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So the final stretch goal was twenty two fifty, and now. 
And now we're on to phase two, which the next stretch goal will be at 2,500. So yeah. that's pretty exciting. And so, so the real goal, the real, the real monetary goal for this, uh, for this Kickstarter is at the 2,500 mark because uh, soft goal at 1,500 that I set was the initial goal that would lock in the funds and would be enough just in case we didn't make it up. But 2,500 is the preferred goal, and then anything else we make after that is, you know, going towards inventory, going towards convention tables, going towards printing costs, all those other things. So, so still going and we still we're still going strong and we still have a lot to do but yeah how exciting is that huh yes congratulations well the thank is you, you. <laughs> and uh yeah so so we got we got books going on uh, a lot of lots of book sales uh the most popular item is just the book on its own which is which is nice however uh, I'm, I'm finding that my strategy of going into this was because because the uh, the first campaign was obviously Solarian Sun Volume One, that one's easy to sell. Solarian Sun Volume Two, as the second campaign, did better than the first one. However, I'm curious if I could have done even better if I did what I did with Volume Three, which was I named it Solarian Sun Volumes One through Three, because if I hadn't just named it Solarian Sun Volume Three then I think people who didn't buy the previous volumes wouldn't even give it a second look. So but if you or if you sell season three, does it include one through two? Because otherwise people might get angry and be like, it said one through three and I only got three. Yeah, you have to purchase them. I and I'm very, very. It's very clear in in all of my wording that you have to purchase them. And and it, that is which is very apparent because. I have about seven, eight, nine, ten new backers that didn't that bought all three books uh, just from this because they can see through the title volumes one through three, and then there's a way to buy it, and you get a discounted bundle if you buy all three of them together. So it's pretty, it's pretty solid. It, I will it's, say, um, I will give you my email address. Um, send me the info of how to buy all three i already have one so if there's a two and three bundle i'm down with that yeah you can buy two and three yeah so i had to find this out a bundle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah you have to go in and like add the books you have to like adjust the adjust your uh adjust your pledge and then there's like additional items that you want to add yeah so ah. when so so when you go in and you buy, this is a, as an example, if you go in and you say, I want volume three physical edition. So you bought, you, you pledge for volume three physical edition, and then it says add on volume two. You'll add on volume two and you'll get $5 off of volume two. Ah, hell yeah. Is there an option to say, please sign my shit? Like you did that, with my first one that I got? Yes, that that will come afterwards. Um, so when I send out the when I send out the backer surveys after the after the uh, campaign is completely over, it'll take about two weeks for uh, for the surveys to go out because I have to wait for the funding to come in, see who did and did not pay me. Then I'll send out the backer surveys, and one of the questions on the backer surveys is, "Would you like your book signed?" Very cool. And Will you sign mine? <laughs> we can say that again. Will you sign mine? Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
And for those who don't, and for those who don't pay, that's where the baseball bats come out. That's right. <laughs> Where's my money, bitch? Oh yeah, that's my job. I got the baseball bats, so I'll just come out and be like, "Where your kneecaps?" <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's it's going it's going very well. Okay, um, I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, and and the stretch goals. So just so, and just so that people know when they're listening to this, the stretch goals that we have unlocked. Uh, so guest art set one, uh, 4K digital wallpaper set one and two, and then guest art set two. So you so when you pledge to get a a book, uh, when you yeah when you pledge to get a book, you are guaranteed to get these free items with with your order. So you get. One, two, three, four guest cards, which uh, the guest cards are done by Chris Scott, a.k.a. Scotty Arts, uh, Fong Netic, and uh, Mesafin, and Gabriel Geske. So those, those are my guest artists that I have. And then the 4K uh, digital wallpaper set for your computer comes with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine wallpapers to choose from that are all based on the characters uh, in the book. So that'll be good. Uh, so, so in case you want, uh, we're thinking about it. Just know that when you do order, you get automatic free stuff with your order. I think with all those wallpapers, you have everything covered. You bet. <laughs> you betcha. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, you have your, we have our new stickers. You can get sketch sketch work for me, and you can get all the old stickers. There's a whole bunch of fun stuff that you can add onto your onto your order but most people are going for the book which is which is exactly what i want because the book is the most important part Mm. here's a question for you andrew um if you could have the opportunity to have one artist create like a special card like you like you have the cup full of guest artists coming in to help if there's one artist you would love to see create their own interpretation of solarian sun which would it be omar dogan like oh, hands Omar down, Dogen. it would just be Omar Dogan. Easy. Um, oh, though you know what? You know what though? Oh, Ronaldo Cantera would also be a pretty equal contender. Can you imagine Reich's artwork? Like, but yes. Solarian Sun. Oh my gosh, that would just be the because because regardless of what whatever you think of his content, because I mean he is he is I that. He, he is he is known for doing erotic art but he does a lot of uh he does a lot of work for udon which was like the street fighter people yeah uh and and so a lot of people know him through his street fighter covers and his street fighter tribute uh thing work mm-hmm. um it would be so awesome to see that's i those two i think i actually have more of a chance of meeting ronaldo quintera at a convention than I do Omar Dogan because he doesn't do conventions anymore. So more likely I'll be able to be like, Hey, here are copies of my book. You can just have them for free. And then maybe he'll like them. So (laughs) maybe one day we'll see, we'll see what happens. Maybe one day we will know exactly how Andrew's character's feet should look. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Ronaldo Quintero is also very known for, for drawing the best feet you have ever seen. Because he is, he is a master of anatomy. But boy, oh, does he does he draw some good feet? And and actually, the <laughs> the, the funny thing is, is um, he's he's been caught up. This is funny because now we're talking about Ronaldo Quintero. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but he's been he's been caught up uh, drawing. Uh, he's been ca- caught up drawing jury 
because Jerry is like the main foot character, quote unquote. Oh yeah. And and Udon reached out to him again and said, "We would like you to do another cover for us, more feet." Udon said that. <laughs> Udon told him more feet. So <laughs> whoever is over at Udon giving giving away these orders of 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 work to do. <laughs> People. I think people people should know that this is very this is a common thing. Like people think that it's like like not common to be into that, but you'd be surprised at how common it is of a kink. Two two thirds of the population. Two thirds of the population. Two thirds of the population. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, but but yeah, I just I just thought that that was absolutely hilarious. And and yes, you are correct, Jonathan. Uh, we would we would abs- we most more than likely be able to see some Solarians on feet if if, if Ronaldo Cantera gets involved. So. Does he ever come to Boston conventions? I've I've met him at at Fan Expo Boston. The first year Jonathan and I went to Fan Expo Boston, he was there in the Artist Alley, uh, and that was the only time he has ever been in Boston. And so I'm waiting for him to come back again, hopefully, because now he's a he's a big name. He has his own LLC, has his own company. So, so I don't think he will ever come back to a smaller convention like Fan Expo Boston, even though it is like a, to say. <laughs> yeah, because Fan Expo Boston is is the West Coast or I'm sorry, East Coast Comic Con. Yeah. So, um, so could he? Yeah, maybe. And if he does, and and we're and he's either over as an exhibitor or artist alley, and I'm there, I'm gonna walk up to him because. How could you not, man? I have three. I have three books. Hey, here's my books. Read my books. These are for you. Would you actually have him commission something? I don't think he does commissions because he's pretty buried in work. But I did. Te- I did tell him when I met him. Uh, it is. It is my dream to order a commission from you someday. So. Yeah. yeah all right. So, awesome. You know, it's yeah. So the, that to answer your question, that for guest art, well, see, and seeing that I do guest art in couples, uh, you know, two two at, two at a time, having one Omar Dogan and one one Reich one, oh, yeah, that's the that's the stuff. <laughs> Very cool. The other day, I was coming across an article from Time Out Japan, and if you don't know Time Out Japan, Time Out Japan, or rather Time Out Tokyo. It's a great website where you can find out about some great things that are happening around Tokyo to check out, whether it's exhibits, concerts, very special things. But they'll also ha- once in a while have some great articles. And I came across one that was kind of a in- kind of interesting, and I wanted to hear your thoughts about this. And sure, this is about the most annoying train behaviors. We do have those in Massachusetts, so... Yes, and I feel like we could get to that. So let's focus first on what the people of Japan have said annoys them the most. And this was conducted by the Japan Private Railway Association. Awesome. And 8,200 people took part in this study. So on the top of their list of things that annoyed them were people who were sitting, quote-unquote, inconsiderably. Wait, wait, can we reveal our guesses before you go through the list? For the other ones, yes. All right, for the other ones. But top of the list, sitting inconsiderably, which got uh, 37.1% of the vote. And this includes... 
people who are sitting and intruding on other people's spaces, or people who sit with their legs far too wide or stretched out completely. Hmm. Which, you know, can be a yeah. bit of a safety well, hazard. Well, needs to breathe. Yeah, that's right. Boys gotta breathe. Boys gotta breathe, <laughs> but you can't have it. Don't, don't spread eagle it, basically. <laughs> Well, I mean, I can see that being an, a non-issue for Japanese you know what? people. You know, you know? What? Uh, gender equality, girls get to breathe too. Let them. <laughs> okay, so let's go by what Derek suggested. What do you think is the number two thing that annoys people? Speaking loudly. That is not in the top three, but it is in other choices. Noisy conversations Public- is at thirty point three percent. Public sickness. Ah, good one. Public sickness? Not on the list. Oh, I hate them. (laughs) (laughs) Perverts. Surprisingly not on the list either. I think they they want to try to cover that one up. (laughs) Oh, we don't actually have a problem with that. (laughs) This one is linked to Boston. How about drug addicts? (laughs) <laughs> Not on the list. Oh, I red line. <laughs> I wouldn't suspect it to be on the Japanese list. No, no, nope. Okay, lay it on us. All right, at thirty-three point five percent, the second most annoying thing to Japanese train users is people who don't cover their mouth or nose when they sneeze. I would have put that in with Derek's sickness one. Sickness. I, 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 I would. Thank I would. You. I would I would okay. count that. I, okay, fair I enough. That. When you said sickness, I was thinking boss's sickness, as in people throwing up on the, on the train. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, yeah, I, no, yeah. You, if someone sneezes directly at your face, you do not want that. No. So well, that that's what uh, I meant by sickness. Well, because that, that's one of the funny things uh, that when I was in Japan, I 100% agree with. Uh, oh, we talked. We talked about this uh, on on a couple episodes ago with mass culture that I, I shared the story yes. where be- because they cover their mouths and uh, they they open mouth cough everywhere because they feel like they don't have to you know cover cover their their mouths when they cough because their mouth is already covered. So when their when their mask is off, they still open mouth cough without covering their face. All right, I will admit I work in food service. And I do cough because don't smoke cigarettes, kids. Um, But when I do cough, I literally try to do I try to make the trajectory go completely down my hands away from it because uh, I don't want anyone else to catch anything I might have. And I don't want my hands to smell like cigarettes. <laughs> well, that's why you gotta got to do the Pax East cough, like cough into your elbow. Yeah, the vampire. The vampire, yes. Yep. Yeah, I've done that. <laughs> you got to dab. You got to dab, bro. Yeah, dab on them haters. got to just aim my coughs. I'm like, nope, somewhere away from me. <laughs> it's not going towards anyone else. <laughs> All right, so who thinks what... Who can guess what the number three one is? Peppermint. Uh, oh, actually, that's that's an interesting. You said, did you say peppermint? Yes. 
the, well, so what if that is it? What if it's what if it's like perfumes, like smells? So not on the top three, but it is seventeen percent strong scents like perfume or ah, detergent. Interesting. Yeah. That was a, that was a good teamwork one, uh, Derek. Good good one. Yeah. Mm. There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. Okay. Get hit. It. What is it? What's what's number three? All right. At thirty-one point three percent. Poor manners when boarding or exiting a train. Ah, very good. So these yeah, are people who like aren't standing to the side when a train door opens so others can exit first. Or mm-hmm. these are also people who aren't stepping out of a crowded train temporarily to let others exit, which yeah. I'll admit I have been guilty once or twice of doing, not knowingly doing. Yeah. I think I yeah. got this. People who do not introduce themselves on the train. Probably not on the train. Well, like if one person introduces themselves, if the other person doesn't, holy shit! I mean, yeah, when you're on a train, there's like a no talking policy, basically. Practically, yeah. And even if you do talk, it's like a very small whisper. You go onto a train in Tokyo, no, no one's talking. It's like you're paying drop. Fine, fine, farting, just farting. Not on the list. I think that would go. Yeah, that would probably fit in with the coughing and uh, and the strong sense. And the, str- and the strong sense. Oh, it's a mix of two. Yes. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, all right. Next. So yeah, um, we mentioned noisy conversations at thirty point three percent. Not carrying your bag or umbrella properly was at twenty two point eight percent. Uh huh. And the last one is using smartphones while walking or during rush hour. That was at 18.2%. That's interesting. That's just the fucking boomers complaining. (laughs) I don't know. know Because you know what? There might be an app for public transit that people actually have to be actively watching in order to catch their train. Well, it's why you kind of memorize what the route route is going to be before you um, do that. It's fairly easy to memorize it. No, no, but what if I'm a visitor? You know, I'll be looking at my like phone app, being trying to figure out like, all right, is this my train? Um, I think I think the problem that people are running into is is actually literally that people are getting run into so if people aren't paying attention and they're looking at their phones and whatever and they're bumping into people but and and you don't accidentally bump into somebody you bump into somebody because somebody has their nose buried in the phone that would be annoying yeah 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 sheep now those are the issues that japanese people have problems with how do we compare that to the issues we have with the mbta in boston I think that's pretty oh, fair. Dear. Working trains, first and foremost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trains that um, catch on fire. What, what? What is the orange line? Does it actually run? <laughs> <laughs> what is the red line? Does that actually run? <laughs> no, it still doesn't run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you, um, when you go past Matapan. Will you survive? <laughs> Murder man. <laughs> yes. So, 
I, I think that that's one of the bigger issues, not even in just, you know, the Boston area, but in because like I've heard stories about getting on the train in New York. I experienced uh, some funky train stuff happening when I was in Chicago, um, you know, so it's just I think that like scarier trains are are more or less just a thing in America. Possibly. So I th- well, yeah, because our homeless population is so much higher than all the other places. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's about on- there, there's only five thousand homeless people in all of Japan, and I think Jeez. that's I- even less than L.A. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, LA is home to the homeless people. And like, unfortunately, I'm not saying one causes the other, but there's a lot of homeless people, and there's a lot of um, mental instability. Oh, we'll yeah. just say. Yeah. And it seems like the two crossover. It's oh, especially in LA. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And uh, and Philly. And New York. <laughs> no, honestly, Boston, and Florida, too. and Damn Seattle. It. I have a home. That's where I'm going. I'm not wanting. Actually, the homeless people in Florida are very nice. That that is one thing I will say is the homeless population in Florida are very nice. So you don't have to worry about yeah. them. The weather's fine. As long as they have a place to go to get out of the rain, which is every day. Yeah. You know, honestly, they just had a cold snap that was like 40 degrees. Oh, it gets yeah, cold than that. It gets down below freezing. My, my mom called me. She's like, oh, it's so freezing down here. Are you kidding? It's two degrees. Every single sidewalk is sheet ice right now. <laughs> Yeah, you won't miss that. You, that's for sure. It's 50 degrees no, here in Tokyo right now, and like I'm seeing oh. people bundling up. <laughs> that's baller. Weak sauce. I you know. just go right up to them and you say, weak sauce. <laughs> Baka. Yeah. Those so. are all the Japanese words I know. <laughs> I said them all in this in this podcast. Yeah. Yes, weak sauce is definitely the most It's my favorite. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. Japanese <laughs> I learned Nani and Majikayo from Dragon Ball Super because they named random characters those exact names. Hmm. Hmm. More you know. Why? Why the hell did it do that? Like, oh, yeah. They just gave up on naming things. So they basically just gave someone the name. WTF. Well, no. They've been doing that for a long time, though. I mean, Gohan means rice. Piccolo is an instrument. You know, it's just what they do. No, it's just they, what they do. They at least did like a trend where like every single Saiyan was a vegetable. And like Piccolo, um, back during the Dragon Ball series, every one of his. I don't know, clones or brothers were all a different instrument. So there was like drum, piccolo, and etc. etc. They didn't last long. Three words. Anyway. Namekian ska band. 
<laughs> that, that would have been fucking great. Hell yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yes. So I talked about this. On, I talked about this on my last podcast show, but um, on my birthday, which hadn't happened then, I talked about going to Budokan. It will be mm. going to Budokan. And Budokan is a very famous venue. This is a place where so many people or so many bands have recorded like their live albums there because it's such it's a unique neat. place. Neat. Cheap trick. Yep, cheap trick. Atarashi Gakko were, were performing there. Uh, you could read my full report on the concert on the B3 site, but I will say this, like this is my second time seeing them live. But the second time, with the show that they did, I really do think that they are going to do for J-pop in the West in the same way that BTS did for K-pop. I feel like that this is going to be the group that opens up the floodgates and brings a new level of popularity to the West for J-pop. How do you think they're outreaching? Um, they are playing Coachella. Mmm. Unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, under what name? Their their name, Atarashigako. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so they're well, since playing... you're going to go like with the channel name or like the actual band name. Well, well, yeah, they're called Atarashigako. Their full name is Atarashigako no Leaders, but in the West, they're just known as Atarashigako. So they're they're kind of they're kind of low on the bill, but so were Blackpink back in the day, and last year Blackpink headlined Coachella. So maybe in a couple of years or so, the same thing could happen with Atarashigako. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. I've seen a um, a festival opened by Dragon Force before, and that was before anyone knew who like before anyone had any clue who they were. That's funny. They're actually in the same level of of the bill as the Aquabats are. So they're like kind of like next to one another. Interesting. Yeah. I found that to be kind of cool. That is cool. So, Budokan. I don't think there is any other venue in the world that is like it. I could be wrong. Because the way that it's set up, it's it's not a square, it's not a circle, it's it's shaped like an octagon. So mm. when it's shaped like that, there is not a bad seat in the house, especially if you do what Atarashigako did, the theater in the round sort of set up for the show. Mm-hmm. So, so like, it sounds like an octagon, so does that mean that the crowd is literally surrounding them the whole time yes like yeah oh that does sound cool okay and when you're a group like them that they don't play instruments they have a backing track they dance that works very well for them um i don't know what it'd be like for like an actual like rock band or metal band unless they have like a setup where the stage rotates Mm-hmm. No, I think I think it might actually be the same for both because even if you're just dancing, you still have to realize that 
while you're posed in one direction, mm-hmm. everyone behind you still sees something else. So yeah, you um, constantly, so you constantly have to think about spinning and turning and making sure everyone can see you. Well, yeah, baby metal, they, they made, uh, yeah, baby metal have done that. Um, yeah. They they made great usage of it. With the rock band, everyone besides the drummer does the same thing. They all work the stage. They all walk out. They try to look at everyone. You know, try to ham it up with the guitar solo or something. Right. Um, yeah, they're doing the same thing. Yes. You know... You know what it kind of does bring me bring to mind the way that it's set up. So you, I don't think you've any of you have actually sat in there. You've been on the floor of it, but the but the MGM Music Hall in Boston is pretty much like half an octagon. Because when I saw Arcade Fire there uh, last year, they were sat like I sat up. Like in the mezzanine section, and even mm-hmm. when I was in the corner of that section, I could see everything perfectly. Uh huh. So this is the MGM you said? Yeah, the MGM Music Hall. Because um, I know we've been to Sabaton. I've seen a few other yep. shows there. Um, I don't know if there's any other concerts you guys have been to at the Music Hall, but uh, not yet. Not yet. Yeah. I would say that what Boston's MGM Music Hall has done is like a good move, but it's still half an octagon. I don't think there are many venues in in America where it has that octagon shape where every angle is very good. Like there's nothing blocking you. I I would say the best um, sound I've heard has actually been with you going to the Flaming Lips concert in a Guinness. Dude, it wasn't Flaming Lips, it was Vampire Weekend. Shit. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't see it with you then, but I did see Flaming Lips in the exact same place. Yeah. And they figured out the echo so perfectly that it just fit with everything they were trying to play. That does lead me to the acoustics of Budokan, and like I fully understand why so many bands record live shows there. There's like mm-hmm. no vocals clashing. The music isn't drowning out the singers. And one of the things that I noticed most was like after the show. So this concert was loud, like very loud. Yet I left that venue, no ears ringing. Oh, ear I, I found that to be interesting. Like this was this show was as loud as many like rock shows I've been to, men, as many metal shows I've been to, and yet when I left that venue, I had no ringing in my ears, and I'm like earplug, no earplugs, nope, no earplugs. So there has to be like a science to the way the acoustics are over there, where it could be loud, but it won't cause some bad after effects. Mm-hmm. Right. The music was that good that it relaxed your ear muscles and made right. it so you didn't take any damage. <laughs> Maybe, actually. That, that's a good hypothesis, Derek. 
I do what I can. Yep. So, <laughs> honestly, like, I will say that every person, whether you are a lover of music or, like, they use the venue too for pro wrestling and sumo wrestling, every person should experience something at Budokan at least once in their lifetime. Like, I fully understand why that place is the go-to for like live shows, for concerts, for DVDs, for Blu-rays. When a band wants to record a show in Japan, Budokan is like the number one place to do it. And it is truly like a very unique and awesome venue. Cool. Also, one of the best albums of all time is The Who live from Budokan. So I definitely suggest that you guys listen to that. Look for it on YouTube or something. Mm-hmm. You want know to actually watched after going to the show of Adoraishigako. I went online. I found on YouTube the Beatles performing at Budokan back in like 1966, I believe. Wow. And that Whoa. was... That's, that's unique. That Like, watch that... W- find that concert. So you see like three other bands play at play before them all japanese pretty good don't remember the names of them and then the beatles come on they do their thing but the show the whole show lasts just under an hour and like the beatles only play for 30 minutes wow can you imagine seeing one of the biggest bands of all time and then just playing for half an hour and then just leaving right after that I just found that to be like very interesting. If listen, yeah, I'd say find find that footage. It's easy to find on YouTube. It's really cool. I want to now talk to you, John Star, because you had a very interesting opportunity fall onto your lap recently. Yeah, well, it actually happened to both Andrew and I. We uh, we went to. I actually found out about it the the night before we went. So it was Friday night, and I was watching a video uh, on the... Uh, I forget what the subject matter of the video was now, but um, uh, it was... Blue Scooty. It was Blue Scooty. Yeah, okay, right. it was on Blue Scooty, um, who is a, a prodigy Tetris player. He's 13 years old, and he was the first kid to beat Tetris. Everybody knows the story by now. Uh, everybody's been emailing to, it to me. Literally everybody in the world has done it. So I know <laughs> that everybody knows that story now. Um, but uh, at the end of that video, the current world champion, Fractal, who is a student at MIT, and there's actually a couple of Tetris players who are students at MIT. Go figure. Um, they were setting up a tournament and it was just in one of the classrooms at MIT. And it was the day after I watched this video, it was actually the the morning after because I watched it at like 10 o'clock at night. And so I woke up that day. and I was like, man, I don't really have anything to do today. Why don't we just go to MIT? So I called up Andrew and we drove to MIT and they were late setting up the show. And it was a little unorganized because they had never done the um, they had never done it before. And so we got there. We were waiting. They were setting up and then fractal was just like hey we're about to get going but we need uh some judges to do the games and we also need commentators if you want to do that go up to the top and so andrew was like you should do that like you should just go i was like yeah all right cool let's do it so went up 
Fractal explained the rules. We had to pair up with somebody, and uh, then we just waited our turn to be commentators on the matches that were happening at the tournament that day. And uh, it was it, like this was I, I talked about a bucket list item of mine in the last episode when we were going to Hell's Kitchen. And it just so happens that a couple weeks later, I get to check another bucket list item off my list that I actually got to commentate in an official classic Tetris match. Um, and it was so much fun. It was just like recording a podcast when you go in without a plan. So basically half, I would say probably half of the episodes of Wicked Anime that we recorded. It was just... <laughs> just going in off the cuff, just talking about whatever was happening there. Um, and I will say that Andrew got to do it as well, because at the match after mine, one of the the commentators got up and nobody else came to partner up with him, even though, uh, you know, we had paired off before. And so Andrew was just like, well, I'll do I'll it. Do it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and so he also got to commentate a match and it was a lot of fun. But uh yeah, if you go into my Instagram, you can you can see me commentating with uh, the my fellow commentator, and um, a lot of cool stuff happened during the match though, which was like uh, we were talking about you know the Hartford, Connecticut tournaments that we go to all the time, and uh, the official classic Tetris commentators were watching the match. Uh, At and, least Kingsman and- was. Yeah, right. Kingsman was at least one watching it. And he was like, he was like, uh, the line block has been to has been to Hartford, Connecticut before. Like, I don't remember him. And uh, he was like enamored at for some reason, just like enamored now, uh, to me for a bit. Also, mind you, this is still on Twitch. You can go on Twitch and watch the whole VOD of it, which will also replay the chat for you. So, so we have the chat logs of this happening, <laughs> of, of him yep. being like, whoa, I like this. Like, this is cool. Yeah. And so, like, 45 minutes or so pass, depending on how long the matches are. And Andrew is the next commentator. And Andrew's mentioning that, like, I'm the brother of the line block who just commentated. And then Kingsman is on the chat and he was just like, I just had a realization. And then he, and then the guy who's doing the soundboard, he was like, Hey, is the tempo is the line block wearing a Tetris jacket right now? And tempo was like, yes, he is. And he's always like, I know exactly who that is. (laughs) And so (laughs) I am on, I am on Kingsman's radar, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, well, so we're kind of hoping Jonathan and I are kind of hoping that when we go to Hartford, Connecticut to do the retrocon and do that qualifier again, mm. uh, that they might just let us commentate at least one match, like a, an inconsequential match, maybe. But it yeah. would just be fun to go and just me and Jonathan uh, doing doing because we didn't get to do the commentary together. We had asked, but unfortunately, all the spaces were filled at that time. Uh, so we didn't get to go up again over our initial go ups. Uh, however, if maybe because we know a couple of the guys who do it, if we were to say, "Hey, would it be cool if we we have this experience before and people seem to really like us?" Yeah, um, and plus I have to redeem myself too because I, I somewhere along the line I started commentating like a golf commentator, and I got quieter, and I got quieter, 
and I was I was so focused on the match, and I was trying not to sound stupid and and not let people know that I don't know as much about Tetris as I thought I did, and. <laughs> Uh, and so I got quieter as I was commentating. My my co-commentator was also very quiet as well. So I think I was matching their level because they also said that we need to be at the same levels for the microphone. So I got quieter because my the partner got quieter. And so like, um, but overall, though, well, that was, was what was funny is, is is the chat during the commentary only focused on you because they basically just said, I can't hear the second guy at all. So, so everybody was just focusing on on what you did and and how and and the kind of jobs that you did because nobody else could understand the other one. That's ones. funny. <laughs> yeah, well, because he was he was probably too far away from the mic. And, he was pretty far away from the mic. And uh, the other thing that happened was is when I went up, the guy that I was co-commentating with was incredibly knowledgeable of Tetris and and had all these other things, but he had an energy level that matched my own. So I let him play the straight man and I was the, the color commentary. So, so I was the one being like, you know, I, this reminds me of the time when, you know, kind of a thing. Uh, and cause, and, and so I figured that if Jonathan and I went up, we both could match each other's like that podcast energy that we have together. So, yeah, Very I am cool. definitely hoping, I am definitely hoping that it happens again. Because it was so much fun. When is RetroCon again? August. It's probably yeah, it's probably gonna be in August at some time. Gotcha. All right. So if you when you go to RetroCon, I do want like a really good report on it. Outside of just the Tetris stuff, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the, not a very. It's, a, it's, not a, it's it's very cool. There's a lot to see there, and there's a lot of cool games uh, to check out and buy. Uh, it's not very big. It's it's. It's a convention hall smaller than what we have at the Heinz, uh, but they fit a lot of a lot of stuff in there. So uh, it's 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 fun. It's it's a really fun place to browse and find some hidden gems. Uh, they they the first booth we went into, they had point blank for for PS2, and I almost spent three hundred dollars to get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it was. Like that, that is actually just a really fun con to go to, especially if you like game tournaments, um, which we do. But, uh, <laughs> but like the, the auction is fun, you know, watching them do like nostalgic 90s and like 80s stuff, like VHS tapes and like people buying old action figures and stuff like that. That's a lot of fun. Mm. Everybody who knows me and my cons knows that I love my auctions. So, mm. oh yeah, yeah, without question. <laughs> but yeah, that that sounded awesome. I hope you get more opportunities like that in the future because with you two knowing Tetris, now John, of course, knowing the most out of the t between the two of you, I feel like you guys can bring a lot of excitement to the color commentary realm of Tetris tournaments. We yeah, would love I mean, to be known as the Tetris Twins. Yeah, we already have a gimmick. Like, come on. We're, yeah, we're, we're set up wins. for this. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. So. Yeah. So before we get into our main topic, which is the winter 2024 anime season, uh, something related to that I got to experience. Uh, in Shibuya, there is a pop-up that, as of, this, as of this airing, unfortunately, is no longer going on. But it's a mm. pop-up involving the, the latest anime from Studio Trigger, Delicious in Dungeon. Mm -hmm. So, 
It's a two-story setup that they have there, but the main stuff was on the first floor. So you go there and they have model food of all of the cuisines that the characters create in the anime. So mm-hmm. like you have like the roasted, um, what was the, uh, is it called balsic or am I pronouncing that wrong? I, I don't, I don't even remember. It's the, I think uh, it's, it's we, like the, we have to ask Tempsu, right? Tempsu would yeah, be the one no, to know. Tempsu is our guy. Yeah. When it comes to uh, Dungeon Meshi. Dungeon Meshi. So it's like, it's the half chicken, half snake creature. So they had like a model of like that dish, the special Alma rice there, and all the other dishes. <laughs> and I will say I was disappointed that they did not make it like a legit cafe. Mm-hmm. And like, you couldn't order the food, unfortunately. Like, I would have loved it if they had found a way to like, try to replicate the food from Delicious in Dungeon and actually get to eat it. But that sounds like a completely missed opportunity. Like a hundred percent. It is hundred percent I thought you were gonna be talking about the food you ate. <laughs> no, no. And that was the thing that disappointed me. Like it took me only five minutes to experience the whole thing there. So like I Man. rode I rode the train for twenty minutes to experience something for five minutes. Oh my gosh. But when I reached the second story, the second floor, they handed me something, and it was a delicious and dungeon official ramen. So like hey. it comes with the the soup and the the actual ramen noodles. So yesterday I cooked it and it actually tasted pretty good. The broth was was very tasty, the noodles were good, but um, I want your opinion on something. Is sure. it is it wrong to put the noodles in the broth? Because I know poor people, mo- most people will pour the broth over the noodles. I did it the other way around. You like you cook the noodles, cook the broth, and then put the noodles in the broth, or or do the noodles cook in the broth from putting them in? So I made the broth first and then put the noodles in because when you made the broth, what's oh, required is you you have to you have to you have to dilute the broth with boiling water. So I boiled the water, took out one and a half cups of the water, and like mm-hmm. stirred the broth in there while the noodles were cooking. I never would have guessed that there were rules to making ramen, actually. So Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're well, talking you're talking to the guy who spent it most of his college career eating raw ramen noodles, like just straight <laughs> out of the package, just crunching away. <laughs> so <laughs> But yeah, no, I'm asking because, you know, there are some people, um, we'll call them psychopaths, who <laughs> like to pour cereal into a bowl of milk. <laughs> oh yeah, and I'm worried yeah, yeah, if that's yeah. the same thing. <laughs> Might be the same people who put their shoes on shoe sock shoe sock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was tasty. It was very very good. And shout out to one of my assistant teachers for helping to translate the instructions on how to do that. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yes. So, um, the pop up little disappointing it was cool seeing like models of the food but i wish i could have eaten the food from delicious and dungeon yeah yeah which i think would be a good segue to start talking about delicious and dungeon as one of the shows of the winter 2024 season 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've watched the first three episodes. The first time I actually watched it, I kind of fell asleep. I don't know if it was because it was not much going on in the show or just um, I felt tired. It might have been because I was super tired. I had been up since 6 in the morning and it was like 9 p.m. Could have been that. But I'm glad that I stuck through it because I felt like the third episode really showed that, that, okay, now the story and the premise is really getting the gears going right now. Um, I actually haven't watched the the third episode yet. Uh, I didn't I didn't realize it was out yet. Uh, and for me, I felt I I also fell asleep during the first episode, but it wasn't because I didn't like the show. It was because I was incredibly tired. Mm. Uh, because because once I once I got to watch it the next night, I watched so I watched the first half of the first episode. Then I watched the second half and the second episode back to back. Just just watching it because. Once the dwarf shows up, the dwarf is just the best character in the show. I I love him. I love him. I love him. I love him. He's just <laughs> he's so good. And um, honestly, the whole cast is good. Yes. But I mean, Marcel being the the flagship character, the one that everybody's you know being popular around, is very well deserved. But the dwarf being the knowledgeable food master character is hilarious because he's so funny. Uh, especially like the way that he reacts to his own situations where nothing is a big deal. He just, and, he, and he's a good chef. It's it's great. I, I love everything about Dungeon Meshi. I thought it was, and the fact that Studio Trigger is doing it too is also a bonus. I like that because uh, Studio Trigger is great. It is kind of a change in a trend for them. Like they've done fantasy stuff, of course, like Little Witch Academia, but the animation mm-hmm. style for Delicious and Dungeon is pretty different from the yeah, usual it, stuff they yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. Um, totally agree. But it's it's still enjoyable. I'm glad that I stuck through it I, because it is a very good, fun fantasy show. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to transition to another fantasy show, an isekai, and it's you, uh, Andrew, that told me to start watching this, and I'm glad you yeah. did. Tales yeah. of Wedding Rings. Yep. Uh, that's your cue to, to oh you want me yeah you yeah you want me to talk about it absolutely yes. uh so so when when tales of wedding rings first popped up into my radar it wasn't because i thought it was going to be a good show it was because there was a uh muscular dark skin cat girl and i was like okay i'm gonna watch that one uh, and and <laughs> I, I knew it could have been trash. I knew it could have been anything. Uh, though granted, there are a couple cat girls this season, which is also kind of wild that there's like a bunch of elves and a bunch of cat girls yep. going on. Uh, That's the episode but, title: Elves, Elves, Elves. Yeah, uh, and uh, so I started watching Wedding Rings, and I knew what the premise was going in. I I, I read the premise. I was like, okay, it's going to be an isekai, and it it has an interesting premise because. It's it start it, the way that I described it to you, Evan, was it is the most deserving or the most rational way to do an isekai that I've seen so far, where the guy didn't die, it wasn't a random act of God, it wasn't anything uh, like that. Like there there was an, actually an explanation for why he was isekai, which is really cool. Yes, because they had to, so the girl that he became friends with. 
came from another world. They stepped out of a portal, mm-hmm. and she said, "Let I will be your best friend. You just can't tell anybody what you saw today." And so, and this is when they were children. Yes. And so, so they became best friends, and he ended up. Of course, now they're in high school. He ended up falling in love with her, and he said, "Today's the day that I'm going to tell her that I love her," which is the same day that she said, "I have to go back to my world." And then so, you go, you go back to her. They go, she, she goes back to her world. He's sad, but then he's like, "No, I gotta, I gotta tell her," and chases her into her own world. Thus, yes. he has been isekai'd. She chooses him because she was going to get married and. He becomes the hero of light, and oh my gosh, it's it's so amazing! And then you find out, well, I had to go to your world because I had to hide from the scourge that was coming to get me because I knew I was one of the princesses of light, and it it just made so much sense. It was so much better than being like, I'm a guy who randomly died, and now I have a harem of girls, or I'm a guy who got chosen out of a, a random act of God, and now I I have a bunch of girls. Now it's I chased the love of my life to another world. And they gave me this ring, and now I'm married to her. But now I have to marry all these other girls. <laughs> <laughs> One of which was a dark-skinned cat girl. <laughs> I mean, the premise does sound really good, and the uh, you know the main character doesn't sound like a sissy. <laughs> he's no. That was another thing too, right? Is is like he he's kind of heroic. Like he is he is he still kind of Japanese in that sense? Yeah, he's still kind of wimpy in Japanese, but he's willing to be a hero and he's willing to fight even though he doesn't know how to fight. So it's very refreshing. I I that that's actually a really good point. The main guy is not falling under shonen bitch syndrome, which is great. <laughs> shonen syndrome. <laughs> I I am I've been enjoying it too, and I'm very thankful, Andrew, that you told me about it. That uh, because like, it's good. It's it feels like this is how you should do a proper isekai. Like mm. the characters are likable, the story itself is very unique, and it feels grounded. I think that's the word that I'm thinking of. It's a grounded isekai. Like it has mm-hmm. a point. It does it. There's a reason behind everything that happens. And like, there's nothing that goes on in the show that doesn't have like some reason behind it. And I'll even say like, even with the fan service too, there's a reason behind it too. I mean, yeah. I mean, that of course can be shoe- shoehorned in at any point where it's just like, oh, now we have these guys because he has to marry five different women. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. Like that's that's obviously a male fantasy, but you know, women have Twilight, so it's fine. We can have our, our Twilights as well. But um <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. So, so they even, they even have a a point for the fan service. Uh, The other thing that kind of threw me off, right. And, and I told you about this too, is Crunchyroll had an uncensored episode. The first episode actually has uncensored nudity in it, which was really weird to me. Right. So it's because you don't see that at all ever. I think they can finally like competed with high dive because high dive normally shows stuff uncensored. They normally get the uncensored version rather than like the regular TV version. Yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's possible. Who knows? Who knows what the reason is, honestly? I was just kind of thrown off by it, especially because there wasn't anything like that in the second episode. I was just like, oh, I guess there's just nudity in the first episode because they're taking a bath. That's kind of weird. So, All right. Can I ask something about the uh, character being forced into multiple marriages? Um, sure. Yeah. Is it, so... Is the princess character who he went there to marry 
reluctant about marrying, having him marry other women? Is he reluctant to marry other women because he's already married to the princess? Like, what's the dynamic between yes. that? Yes. Yes to, yes to all. Yes to all. So so the idea is he has to marry all of those because he is the ring bearer and he has to get the rings of light, fire, wind, earth, whatever. By your powers uh, so combined, to... he is Captain Planet. <laughs> yeah, he's I Captain, actually about he's to say in September. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's Captain Planet. And um, but but the idea is she chose him as well and and now they're going to be married and he told her I'm going to be married to all these other women but you are still my wife kind of a thing and and so it's probably going to be this struggle because all the other characters are obviously going to fall in love with him because he's the hero and though granted they met the elf character and she's kind of a coward which was kind of funny yeah, but yeah. um uh but it's it's gonna be it's it's gonna be funny because it's just gonna be torture on him because because he knows that he's committed to this one girl but he is legally married to all these other races of of people so yeah mm. i don't know yeah, it's very enjoyable. It's it's got a good dynamic between the characters, and I like the fact that that the two main characters are like, "You're my one and only. You're my one and only. I don't really want to do this. I really don't want to do this. I have to marry these mm -hmm. other women. I have to do it because I'm the hero. Know that you are my one and only." Yeah. If that could only be the excuse for everybody, it's like, hun, it's I, I legally have to do this <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a i don't know there's just a dark-skinned cat girl in my bed but you're obviously my wife you're my wife but legally i have to marry the dark-skinned cat girl so you know we, we don't want cool that volcano it. to explode i have to do it to make sure that that volcano doesn't explode oh, oh but the demons are coming we have to i have to marry all these women legally <laughs> <laughs> um, that does lead me to one of the other isekai shows I've been watching um, I actually did a review of the first volume of the manga a while back called The Wrong Way to Use Healing Magic mm, okay. and I like how like so the main character is accidentally isekai'd with two people who were purposely isekai'd so like there are three people who get isekai'd Two of them are like the student council president and the student council vice president of the school. And then it's just one guy who just winds up being friends with them. And and the two the two student council people, of course, have very good heroic powers when they measure up. He winds up having healing magic. And that's when the character of Rose comes in, who is the captain of the rescue team of the kingdom. And throughout the current uh, three episodes that are out, it's all about turning the main character, whose name is Usato, from the wimp to this seven-abbed, <laughs> super strong guy with the healing powers. Everybody wants that seventh ab. So everyone wants that seventh ab. And when I reviewed the manga of it, I thought it had a very, very slow beginning. Like, it really took a long time for the story to get into what is necessarily the good stuff. 
And watching the anime version of it, they do fix a lot of that pacing issue right in the beginning. So mm-hmm. nice. You get you get the you get the action and you get you get the comedy too. Cause wrong way to use healing magic, when it's funny, it does reach like almost Konosuba levels of of hilarity. Like like the commentary from the main guy is just it's funny. It, it it knows when to bring out that humor, especially when it comes to the training. And like he has to like make a journal of all of his training stuff. And for like twenty days straight, it's I had to run and she kicked my ass. Day seven, I had to run and she kicked my ass. Day eight, I had to run, she kicked my ass. And there's a really good sense of humor to the show and I think the action in the show is pretty well done too. I think the most recent episode that aired where he has to like find this very rare bear monster and kill it. Um, the action in that in that episode is very good. Granted, there are some parts of the show where they kind of do the I don't know. They do that slideshow montage stuff where you you can tell like maybe there's a bit of a budget per episode. Yeah. But when it does get into like the main fight in the show, it looks good. It looks very it well looks, done. That's where the rest of the budget went. Yeah, yeah. That's where the rest of the budget went. So it's nice to see that there's more than one really good isekai this season, rather than none and everything is trash. <laughs> Which is what you usually get when an entire season is isekai. Yes. You get jailbait. You... <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm no way to transition from, from that. I don't think there's anything on on the list for that. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh, though. There literally is a... There's literally an anime uh, that, that you can transition with jailbait. Speaking of jailbait, did you see uh, it's it is time for torture? princess oh yes 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 so so that <laughs> transitions welcome. both to um you th- you read the t- it's funny that there are two shows that that have a torture element to it but i think tis time for torture princess is the more fun of it because more fun one because like the torture that happens really isn't torture it's more of like tantalizing her with really good stuff yeah and and the comedy of the show comes it's it's a character show because there's very few environments and there's very few um it's it's basically one gag played over and over and over and over again right right and it, it's it uh, takes place in a dungeon you got the princess and her talking sword yeah and uh and so the comedy comes between the princess and her talking sword and then the princess and whoever's torturing her, and then whoever's torture, or then the the main torture mistress and the demon king. Yeah. Uh, because because the joke is is okay. We're going to torture you now. Then they eat some really good food in front of her, or they do something that looks fun in front of her. Whatever. And the sword is just like, ha, the princess has conditioned herself for whatever and blah, 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 and and she'll never give in. And then she immediately gives in and the sword is just stunned and and it's funny. And then she gives up all the information that they want 
and then they report it to the Demon King, and then they find out that that information is useless because they don't have the forces available to even break through the line, so they have to torture her again. And that's the show over and over and over again. Will it get old? Maybe. Is the art really good? Yeah, yes. it is. I mean, it's Pine <laughs> Jam. It's the do-it-yourself studio. Yeah, so it's it's very cute. Yes. And it's very and it's very funny, but you have to be used to or you have to go in knowing that you're just going to see one joke every single episode. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like the joke is told very well. It's very much like in the same realm of like a Buddy Hill skit. Benny Hill told like this, maybe will tell like the same joke a hundred times over, but he finds a different way to make it funny each time. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that will transition to the other torture show, gushing over magical girls. Am I the yeah, only which one I who... haven't? Yeah. Oh, okay. You are. So I am the only person who has sat through this show. Will continue to sit through this show. It's one of those. It's trash. It's one of those shows that you know. It's going to be trash. It's going to it's it's definitely like in the same realm as um, interspecies reviewers was. How did they get away with this stuff? How are they managing to put this onto television? But you watch it like the people who went and saw Minions 2 in tuxedos watch it. (laughs) (laughs) You just sit there watching it silently in contemplation. Be like, hmm, 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 hmm. This is art. Hmm, hmm. This is art. <laughs> Such art. <laughs> um, but yeah, I will. I will admit that I do kind of have fun watching this show. There are some funny aspects to gushing over magical girls, especially when it comes to the mascot character who's forcing this girl to be the villain, and every time she has a villain out something awakens inside of her and be like, oh, I'm kind of into this sort of a thing. It's, 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 it is definitely a show that, again, I don't know how this managed to air. I'm very surprised that High Dive is showing it uncensored. I'm very surprised that Aoi Koga, the voice of Komi-san from Komi Can't Communicate is playing one of the masochistic villains. I don't know, it's an anomaly. I'm just saying, I think that you need to dive a little bit deeper into the content of this show because you're saying that like it's it's a show that you don't know how it got aired or how they can show these things on TV. But I don't I can't really picture what's so happening. when the villain, when the main villainess gets caught, uh, captures like the heroes, the magical girls, they start doing a lot of BDSM stuff. <laughs> and I mean, like torturing them, tickling them, tying them up, gagging them, that sort of thing. Well, now now the other question is, as you said, I can't believe uh, High Dive got this uncensored. What does that mean? Like, what is the what is the level of censorship that they are or are not showing in the show? You know, they're blocking out the nudity. They're blocking out some of the angles. And there are times when, like, when one of the magic girls is tied up, it's in that sort of something's being rubbed. Okay. So so I, I see I didn't I didn't realize that this was a show that was that was to that point where it had to be censored, I guess. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. Oh my god. I, I, I don't even know what they could show when it when the actual quote unquote battles happens. I'll say it like that. Yeah, the flock of cows, this is porn meme is yes. what comes to mind. Yeah, that this is I I can believe this is porn. <laughs> and then on the same realm of that too, there is Chained Soldier, which is from the creator of Akami Got Kill. Where basically the creator of Akami Got Kill was, gosh, everybody loved as death. Let's make all the girls as death in yeah. my new series. <laughs> so it's about a guy who, like, when he gets recruited by these girls, he can unleash, like, some really cool powers. And then to reward him afterwards, they do BDSM stuff. Oh, Dakota Broski actually reviewed this manga. Yes. On his and channel. And so did Gigak. Uh, Gigak was like the guy who, uh, him and Dakota talked about this. And they raved about it. The, the action was great. The, the drawing was good. And of course, you know, the BDSM stuff, A+. And yeah. High Dive is showing this one also uncensored. And... It's definitely checking off some boxes, I'll tell you that. Uh, huh. So is it, yeah. that's that's really, why does it why does High Dive have all of these? <laughs> I mean and, and 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 don't get me wrong, like I've I've been on High Dive, I know what's on there. It's just weird that High Dive is the one that gets these ones. Because I mean they got like the whole series of Peter Grill on there, which is just filth, <laughs> right? Um and and ironic ironically with Peter Grill be, being filth. It is the high dive actually has it censored, which is hilarious, uh, considering everything else that they have on the show yes. or on on the channel. But um, but that's that's it's just so weird to me that high dive is the one picking all these up. Hmm. Um, I feel like because they're kind of well back in the day, like high dive and Sentai, they were ADV films, and ADV films had a lot of like the fan servicey stuff that. Uh, Pioneer Entertainment or Bandai Entertainment or Funimation wouldn't pick up. Mm-hmm. I mean, like they they had Puny Pony Pony. I don't know if you remember that the spinoff from Excel Saga that was so over the top with everything that they couldn't even air it on television. Hmm. Interesting. Um. But you know, I do. I have been enjoying Chain Soldier. It does. It does have that Akami got killed action level of action in it which made that series very enjoyable to watch so i'm looking forward to seeing what what chain soldier has in store for both the good reasons and the bad reasons i'm actually not seeing this one on the uh on the list uh am i am i just missing it where's chain soldier so let me see oh is it is it mato say uh say hi no slave yeah that's it All right, <laughs> Chain Soldier. Yep, that's it. I, I have no way to. I have no way to watch it uh, not being on high dive anymore, unless I go to the magical anime tree, which I don't really want to. I, I'd rather just go stick on Crunchyroll. But yeah, you know, gotcha. But, uh, but it's good to good to hear about. <laughs> yes, maybe let's uh, let let us uh, transfer over to more wholesome stuff. Let's talk about those Hokkaido gals and why they are so super adorable. Well, I, yeah. So the way that I explain this to because I'm pretty sure I was the first one that watched it, and then I I, I recommended it to you guys. Yes. Um, and the, I basically just said, "This is just my dress up, darling. There's no cosplay in it. It's literally the same show." Mm-hmm. And and when I say it's literally the same show, 
I don't even know if like literally when I say literally I mean literally it it not not like the cultural way of saying it it's it's the exact same archetype for the gal character and the exact same archetype for the for the main character yes uh, he's he's literally just gojo mm-hmm. and uh, and and the and it's funny because all all it is is there's just snow everywhere that's and it that's that's all it is it's great yeah it's kind of <laughs> like super it, cute. It, yeah. it, it's super cute it's kind of like trying to sell Hokkaido as a place to visit it, it's definitely doing a good job. Yeah. It's definitely doing a good job. I'd, I'd be like, oh, Hokkaido seems kind of cool. I like food. I like, I like, I don't like snow actually at all. But <laughs> I'll go in the summertime. <laughs> I like girls. Yes. Yeah, see, that's the, that's like the real shame is is it's 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 like selling the the uh, sports car with the sexy woman on the hood. It's just like yeah. just because you go to Hokkaido doesn't mean there's a sexy girl waiting there for you. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, though, at least it's not like how I felt about my tiny senpai. Like, I don't think Hokkaido gals are super adorable is the Wish.com version of my dress up darling. Oh, yeah, that's that's actually a really good point to make. Um, Like, it's still very good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very good Um, to the point where I don't want to say I like it as much as uh, my dress up darling, but I will use it as a replacement for it until the second season comes out. Of course, it's like it's a good, it's a good thing to watch while we wait for the next season to come around. Mm-hmm. Whereas with yeah. my tiny senpai, it was like we got this over another season of my senpai is annoying. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's what a what a travesty. I don't know what it is about like Dokakoba it's like it's very rare for them to like do second seasons of like their best stuff like we got okay so we got a second season of New Game we got second season of Himoto Omaru-chan and we're definitely getting a second season of Oshinoko but like all the other really good anime that they've done that people are that are they're still popular and I still see merch for it everywhere Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun Sleepy Princess in the Demon Castle. Mm. Um, there's a lot of Wadaten stuff, actually. I'm very surprised that that got popular. Granted, that got a movie, but that didn't get a second season. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what it is about Dokakoba that they they don't do like another season of shows that were super popular. Hey, I, I know I just said New Game. There's still a lot of New Game stuff you can grab at like animate and K books and other anime shops. People still love that show. And mm-hmm. it's surprising that they haven't gone back and just finished like animating the story because it gets really good. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's actually kind of a shame too, because um, I, I don't want to turn this into a new game uh, conversation, but I just I, I have to mention it because we don't get a we don't get a third season of New Game, and the manga is finished, but not but the manga volumes are not available to purchase, and you can't find the scanlations online. So there's literally no way to access all of New Game, and it makes me mad because I want to finish it. Really? So like, not the the books are now out of print. Yep. 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 Okay. I think I might know a reason behind it. And you might like this reason. 
So okay. they have been re-releasing new game over here in Japan, colored. Oh, interesting. But are but are they are they omnibus though? Are yes, they, more they are omnibus. They okay. are omnibus. All right. So you could say that maybe they're preparing for that. You're, that would be nice. <laughs> you are you maybe you waiting is going to be good because now you're going to get the ultimate version of new game. Yeah, that'd be good. Are there any other shows that you've been watching on your end, both of you guys? Uh, let's see. Uh, so we did. Let me just go down the list here. We have Dungeon Mastery. We have Hokkaido Girls. Um, all of your suggestions. Uh, Tale of Wedding Rings. There's a, so there's a couple that I haven't started yet, and uh, and there's one that it has no access at all. Uh, so besides the fact that Furion is still playing, and I'm still watching Furion, it's wonderful. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. watching Furion. Free Ren is awesome. Um, yeah. There's one show show called Pon no Michi, which is about uh, uh, a what is it called? Um, the the Chinese game with the with the with the tiles that you stack on them. What is that called? Uh, Ma- Mahjong? Mahjong. Mahjong. Yeah, Mahjong. So, so it's this girl who plays Mahjong, and she become she gets kicked out of her house, so she has to stay with all four, like rotate houses about among all four of her friends, and no, no streaming service is playing it, uh, which is really annoying. It's on Billy Billy TV, but but neither uh, Crunchyroll, that neither Crunchyroll, why. yeah, neither Crunchyroll nor High Dive picked it up. And it was a show on my list that I was like, oh, I'd really like to watch this one. So here's the thing. Okay, so let me explain why. So sometimes Mm -hmm. when a show is streaming exclusively on Billy Billy, they get that exclusivity for a year. So Mm -hmm. it's probably not going to be until next year when Pan no Michi airs either on Crunchyroll or High Dive. And I know this because this is what happened with the caretaker of Tsunaharuso. When Miss Caretaker uh, of Sudaharuso aired, it was a Billy Billy exclusive. And it took them a year before that popped up onto Funimation or Crunchyroll. Interesting. So Yeah, yeah, it's, I, it's, I, I had to steal the whole show for, for Miss uh, for that one. That was <laughs> that was such a good show. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the reason why it's not airing here. So it's an exclusivity reason. So, but yeah. now that leads me to wonder why Billy Billy hasn't like expanded. Billy Billy, I think, should now like be trying to go into the Western market. Granted, it would yeah. suck to now have another streaming app to have to download and get a subscription to, but yeah. at least it yeah. would cover everything. But like just to watch one or two shows a, a season, you know, because it's they they don't even pick up like the great shows. They just pick up like one like that that I, I was interested in watching. So it's like, oh, okay, sure, I guess whatever. Yeah. Um, the other one that I was looking to watch was one called Solo Leveling, and which is based off of a Korean manga, so a manhwa, mm-hmm. and it's being is being uh, written or, or animated by you know A One Picture, so in in Japan because it got gained popularity in Japan. But the only reason why I'm interested in watching that one is because my friend's son is is reading the the comic version of it. And so 
just to have some sort of relation with my friend's son and that we actually have like a topic of conversation to talk about whenever he's around is like, oh, have you been watching solo leveling? Yeah, like, that's the only reason that, that solo leveling is on my list. Yeah. <laughs> so, I can have a, so I can have a conversation with an 11 year old. <laughs> so like with me, like, yes, I've been hearing about solo leveling. I've, I've heard about the, the, the manhwa and I've heard about the story. But have you ever heard of a show or, or a property that got hyped up so much that it kind of turns you off? Yes. Yep. Because that's how I felt yeah. about so. Because I'm not watching solo leveling because I feel like, like I've been kind of turned off by like, oh, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. You should yeah, totally like, watch, this, like this, yeah, this is the show of the season. You have to watch it. Yeah. Uh, and it and it is in fact right now on Annie Chart. It is the number one rated anime it's it, it has it holds the number one spot so is it actually good i can't imagine it is because it's just like an action anime it's like who cares who cares about an action anime so i guess I'm, i am gonna have to check it out and see if it's kind of good yeah okay you let me know because like i said i've 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 been tired out by the hype of it where i just i don't want to watch it i i really don't want to watch it yeah, and then and then the other one that's in my list that I haven't started watching yet is called Satsuki to uh, Satsuki to Pichan. Uh, so Satsuki is a middle-aged office worker living in Japan, feeling drained by the vapid corporate worlds. He heads to a pet shop in search of a new companion. There he finds an adorable bird named Peeps and takes him home. But Satsuki quickly learns that Peeps isn't your average bird. He's a powerful mage from another world. Together they embark on a magical adventure filled with swords and sorcery. That sounds kind of cool. I haven't checked it out yet, but that sounds neat. Okay. I've heard about that show. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some clips on Instagram from it. Voice acting is really good. Um, and it, it, that one also just seems like a pretty typical run of the mill magic anime, but it might have some surprising things in it. Well, because it's, it's a comedy fantasy. So I was like, OK, cool. Comedy fantasy. That sounds pretty good, especially because it's like middle age office worker. haha, And his and his magic is magic bird. Like that sounds it just it sounded like an interesting premise. I'll see if I can get around to it. But that that honestly, that's my whole list <laughs> is, is just those three that I haven't started watching yet. The ones that you suggested that we haven't started watching yet. And then everything else that we have watched. Sasaki being like, I summon the dude. And he just pops <laughs> it right there. A um, couple other shows I've been watching. So one that was added to Crunchyroll recently was a very big surprise to me. And it's a show that's been on for 30 years in Japan. And it's finally on uh, like an English language streaming app. And that show is Chibi Maruko-chan. And there's a lot. There, there are Chibi Maruko-chan cafes here. There are Chibi Maruko-chan shops here it's a it's a very popular series and after mm -hmm. 30 years it is finally airing in some form in america and i'm watching the show like i, I watched the it's not the first episode it's episode 1419 <laughs> that, <laughs> that i watched the first episode aired in in the west is that one and it's just basically about this girl her nice relationship with her grandpa and just may not not exactly misadventures but day in the life sorts of things that go on and the show takes place in japan 1974 so like after mm. all this time it still takes place in the 70s in in, 
in Japan because this because the manga is is kind of autobiographical. Like it, the mm -hmm. person who wrote it is writing about her time back in the 1970s. Wow. And on one hand, I kind of understand why this is a popular show. It's it's nice. It's relaxing. It's very family friendly. But on the other hand, the stories can be kind of 50-50. So, like, one of the episodes was about, oh, I have this urge to move to the countryside. So they go and visit a house, kind of like, they go to, like, an open house in the countryside. And it's okay. It, it's, not, it's not that good of a story. But then the other one is about, oh, Grandpa is going to run... A marathon, but it's not really a marathon. It's just a 1K because he's old and old people shouldn't be running marathons because they might have a heart attack and die. And mm -hmm. it, it follows the, the grandpa trying to convince the rest of the family to join him. But everyone's like, oh, we don't like the outdoors. We don't like to exercise. And then it gets to a point where like he kind of lies about there being prizes and it's now the joke of, oh no, if my tea, if my family wins the race, I'm going to have to buy all this stuff and there goes my pension. And um, it was kind of funny. I'm, I'm going to give a couple episodes a try, a, a couple more episodes, because I want to understand more of why this is such a cultural phenomenon here in Japan, mm -hmm. why Chibi Marco is so big. Uh, one of the other shows I've started to watch, and this is definitely something that I'm surprised has been brought to um, brought to the West because this is definitely a show that is like everything about it is Japanese, and that show is called Snack Basue, and the show is about um, a bartender working at what's known as a snack bar. And it's just her having conversations with the with the people that come into the bar. Mm. Um, I think a big reason why it got licensed is because the bartender is being voiced by Rie Takahashi, the voice of oh. Man and Tomo-chan. And it's definitely a show where if you don't live in Japan, you will not get it. You will not understand what they're talking about, what they're joking about. Maybe once in a great while they'll make an anim another anime reference that, okay, it's a visual gag of sorts. But for the most part, it's a show that if you don't live in Japan, you're not going to understand this part of their culture. Hmm. But, you know, I've been to snack bars before. I've actually been to a couple that are very similar to the ones that are showcased in Snack Bus Away. So I kind of like it. But I do understand why if you if you've never lived in Japan and you watch it and you you're not gonna understand it. You're not going to like it. But those who do live in Japan, they might find something that they like about it. That's very cool. We've of course got the returning series. We got Mashal season two back. Um this is where the good stuff happens. I know that you didn't... Was it you, Andrew, who didn't like the first season? Or was it you, it was John? Jonathan. John. John didn't like this. I will say, like, go back to Mashal, because this is where the good stuff starts to come into play. All right. And then there is another season of Unasai Yatsura. Again, that's... Which is a classic show. 
and this has been a really good remake of that classic show. But there is a lot of stuff in Urasayatsura, like in a similar vein to Snack Basare. If you don't live in Japan, you might not understand it, especially with the fact that the show still takes place in the late 1970s. So there's a lot of cultural things that, that go on in this show that not only will you not understand, but you won't have the opportunity to experience because it no longer exists in Japan. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, there is the dangers in my heart. And mm, yeah. that is the show that I am very happy is back for another season. It's very sweet. It's very, it's so good. It's so cute. It was my second favorite show of 2023, right, right before um, my clueless first friend. And it's nice seeing like these characters of, uh, of Ichikawa and Ana Yamada starting to open up more and be a lot more honest about their feelings and emotions. And it's good. I, I'm happy with the show. The fact that it's from the same studio and I think also the same director as Teasing Master Takagi-san, like you're getting those vibes, especially from this second season of The Dangers in My Heart. Very All cool. right. And I think that about covers everything on my end for stuff that I have been watching. Anything else from... What about you, John? Have you been watching anything new? Nope. Okay. I I have been... I like off the anime train for far, far too long. And I, I, it's not something that I am actively trying to avoid. It's just something that has taken a backseat in my life right now, unfortunately. Understandable. So. I will say that this probably is a good season to jump back onto because it's not overbearing with great shows. Like, I feel like you could like, like out of everything that we talked about today, there's about four or five shows that are absolutely must watch. And then other stuff is like, yeah, we'll just put it in the pile and maybe pile or something like that. Hmm. I mean, one thing's for sure. Once spring comes around, then we have definite shows that we have to watch. Right. Cause I mean, for me, I mean, spring so spring's going to bring around uh, part two of jobless reincarnation, mm -hmm. spice and wolf. And yep. of course, uh, laid back camp season three, like, come on. Yep. <laughs> and, and I then, think um, season two, season three as well. Oh, is it? Cause it's not on the list here. Um, maybe it is. Maybe I just missed it. That's either in the uh, spring or the summertime. I think it might be a summertime one. Maybe it might be. But, um, but spring's looking, spring's looking pretty good so far. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, but then of course for the movies, they have the, they have the, uh, Uma Musume movie, yeah. right? That's that's gonna be in the spring too. So mm -hmm. it's gonna be a pretty good spring, I think. Yes, and um, I will mention this: I got a oh, ticket to see Uma Musume live. I am going to see the Horse Girls, the voice actresses performing songs from the show and the video game. Um, it's gonna be interesting. I, I, it's gonna be fun. I know it's gonna be a fun experience. It's just gonna be very different from any other concert that I've experienced here in Japan. I would That's say so. Amazing. Oh, and correction, there's Konosuba season three for spring. Aha, I was right. But yeah, that, that concert happens in a couple of weeks. 
I won't be talking about it on the next show, but I will definitely be talking about it on the following podcast episode of Duckamuck in Japan. All right. All right. Let's do a quick little quack quiz. I've only got three questions. So. Okay. Okay. All right. So we talked about trains. We talked about train etiquette. Um, and I do believe that one of the most famous trains of all is Thomas the Tank Thomas. Engine. Thomas. Name the two people who played Mr. Conductor on both Thomas the Tank Engine and Shining Time Station. Uh, Well, one of them was George Carlin. Yeah, Yeah, we knew that one. Uh, As far as the second one goes, I have no idea. I could take like a guess. It's it's something like a uh, like a uh, like a Bob Saget or something like I know it's not Bob Saget, but like something something within that realm. Yeah, yeah. You're very man, off. But... You you are very off. Um, <laughs> I'll give you a hint. He's a drummer. Okay. Neil Pert. Travis Barker. <laughs> so we have. Do we know any other drummers? drummers Do we know any other drummers? <laughs> There's a drummer for you. Um, no, the answer is Ringo Starr. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. that makes sense because it's a, it's technically a British show. So yes. All right, we talked about Budokan, and Derek mentioned about Cheap Trick. Name the Cheap Trick song that was recorded at Budokan that peaked at number seven on the U.S. charts. Gosh, I don't uh, know anything about Cheap Trick. I mean, I mean it. Uh, I feel like I could. Uh, I have to think about the songs. And I know them. I know I know the songs that made them famous, and they're not popping into my head right now. And give me a second. Um, Think of like a song that has like it starts off with like a with the snare jump. Yeah, like. They're not coming to me. I I I have like four songs in my head right now. None of the and none of like the lyrics are <laughs> are coming to me. Yeah. So, all right. The answer is I want you to want me. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The final question. So, Final question. I mentioned Chibi Maruku-chan, and right now Chibi Maruku-chan is the eighth longest-running anime of all time, currently clocking in with 1,420 episodes as of this recording. However, the longest-running anime of all time is one called Sazai-san, without going over 1,000 or below 1,000. How many episodes has it had? And how uh, many has has Chibi Chan had? Chibi Marco Chan has had one thousand four hundred twenty. Hmm. My guess was going to be between seventeen and eighteen hundred. Um, I'll go. I'll go slightly over what Chibi Marco Chan does, and I'll say about fifteen hundred. Oh. So, since October fifth, nineteen sixty nine. Three episodes of Sazai-san have aired. 
clocking in at a total of 8,540 episodes. <laughs> What? <laughs> that's that's not even real. <laughs> I'm afraid to tell you, but like, yes, that is real. The number has gone up since then. This is just as of like mid 2023. She. <laughs> so yeah, that's a lot. That's one show that's probably never gonna get licensed. Like, like you, if you thought One Piece was long, Sazai-san is at a different level. Yeah, no, no wow. kidding. All right. Well, that about wraps up this week's episode of Duck Amuck in Japan. And AFLM, why don't you tell us more mm. about Solarian Sun and its Kickstarter? Yeah. So if you guys want to join uh, or go, go check out what I have in, st in store for you. You can sample it for free. Give it a read. Uh, you can read all the way up to page 284 for free at solariansun.com. You can also subscribe to Solarian Sun over on patreon.com slash AFLM, where I am currently up to page 675. However, I have way more pages already produced past that because I've had a lot of extra time on my hands and I'm, I'm getting a nice backlog of pages. So there's way more content to come. However, as Evan has mentioned, and we talked about early on the show, the mainstay happening right now is we have the Kickstarter for volume three coming or going on right now. It's live. You can go to kickstarter.com slash project slash AFLM slash Solarian Sun volume three. Uh, and Or just search it up in the search bar. It's way easier than putting in that whole tag. Anyway, uh, we're currently at 33 backers as of this recording. And we're at twenty about $2,300. Uh, I would really like to at least make my average of 3000 at some point. We'll have to see if that's plausible. We'll just have to wait and see what comes along. But uh, if, if you can support in any way you can, whether it be word of mouth or if you want to buy a book and get a bunch of free stuff along with that, you can do that too. I'd be more than happy to have you. Uh, I think that's what I got going on right now. We have three three conventions set up for this year, maybe, and working on a fourth. So Ooh. I'll be I'll be making my way around in uh, in the spring to the summer season as well. So we'll see you then. Very nice, and John Star. And you can find me on Instagram at the Line Block, where you can find my artwork, and you can find my uh, journeys in commentating for Tetris. Have you ever thought about like making like small Tetris? Factoid videos for the line block? Uh, there are plenty of people out there who already cover that market. People who, you know, like I'm already a fan of. So it would be kind of hard to cover that, but uh, I was trying to think of something that I could do in that sense. Maybe maybe in the game design realm, because that's more my specialty. Okay. Yeah. I think you should really um, I think you should stretch out more towards that. I, because with you being that master of Tetris, I think your knowledge of that is pretty cool, and I think a lot more people would be very, very interested to hear about your thoughts and opinions on certain things regarding the, the game design of it. Mm -hmm. And as always, you could follow me at KingBabyDuckESH on Twitter and Instagram. Um, follow me on B3Crew.com with our reviews and podcast episodes. And... Uh, coming soon, um, haven't recorded it yet. We're still going through like how the interview questions are looking thus far. 
I will be doing an interview with our friends, the band Sushimami Ray, in celebration of their 25th anniversary. So very cool. Stay tuned mm-hmm. for that. Um, might have a couple of special things planned in regards to to that interview, and. We've also got some guests coming up very soon on Duckamuck in Japan. So stick around. You might hear some very interesting people pop up. Sounds good. Yes. So until next time, this is your King Baby Duck. AFLM. And Johnstar. Reminding you that if you're going to chase your dreams, make sure sure you run amok. One day we'll be in the same room and we can do that properly. Yes, it, it is. It is definitely a same room activity. Yes, very same room activity. <laughs> okay, bye. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.